Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes Podcast. Here we go! You don't just always get a shot of Louie every time you come in. It's not like a... Well, when a man hits 50. Are you 50? Negative. Wow. 50 deserves a shot of Louie. It does. It's I, like a quarter of the age years. of the Louie. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm uh, I'm Tom Rathman. You know who that is? Number 44. 44, fullback for the 49ers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there soccer. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, not baseball. Nope, it's you're getting farther away. Football. Yes, yes, yes. Which is soccer. Correct. Well, different, different. So, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We're back. Uh, If you are a weekly lava lamper, you may have noticed we weren't here last weekend, and that's because it was Thanksgiving and things got complicated, and we were, you know, here, but you were there. We had a turkey in the oven, so we hope you had a fantastic holiday. And thanks for joining us again. We're back. Webisode number 69. And never fear, the lava lamp is in fact burning brightly in the lab as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home in case you were out there wandering. We were here. The lava lamp was burning. It was bright. So we're back. We're here. We have our good friend, Chris Vin back in the house tonight. It's his birthday. On He's 56. Six, 44. Okay, 44 yes. years Th- old. Thanks, but, everybody. But for today me. is the day. It is, yeah. It's your actual birthday. Actual birthday. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. Birthday Thank you for joining. I think it's nice that you, that for your birthday, you got to join us. I mean, it's amazing. We don't have a cake. I could offer you a shot of the Louis, I guess. I, I think that would uh, be a good compromise. That's better from... than a Baskin Robbins. Uh... No, it's better than like a piece <clears throat> of. Um... Uh, like you know he, what he would do he would go like the full like baking for like six hours right he'd make a lemon like, lemon cake right with all like the fixings. whippings and you know. whippings. all you need is one two hundred dollar shot and then you're fine and we're good all the whippings <laughs> okay I got the bottle <laughs> you know it it's looking light there you know the is. last time you were here I think we talked about I happened to look through the two-way mirror I've installed here in the in the lab so for instances just as this, and I happen to notice you and Joss lingering around the bottle of Louie. It's a funny thing about a two-way mirror, because I thought it was a two-way mirror going that way, where yeah. you couldn't see in this way. No, we did. Oh. No, it's not a prison mirror where there is like an interrogation mirror. Yeah, they can't see us. They oh, can't see you. Right. We saw you. <laughs> like, we're like... Doing weird stuff in here. <laughs> so here, here we go. You you like the Louis, huh? Yeah. You know it's okay. I think it's more of a novelty than anything else, though. Well, here. But no, he didn't say no though. But I'm not gonna say no. No, that's the thing. No, it's, it's, no. Par- it's part of the okay, birthday. Okay, so sure. Right. That's all you get. Oh, you know, no, that's no, fine. No, oh god, Jeremy, oh, mercy. Actually, I'm gonna top it off. Well, I'm, it's, it's like 120, 140. I'm gonna take a little hit off it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, beautiful, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> not <laughs> a I mean, it's a gorgeous bottle. You, you can't get away from the fact that the bottle's pretty. I mean, it's here's the thing. Crystal. I'm gonna taste a little. Well. Jeremy does. Jeremy goes first on your birthday. Of course. So Chris is gonna have his birthday shot of Louis. Is it a shooter or a <sighs> sipper? 
Well, it's kind I'd of save, a sipper. I saved some for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a little. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a sipper, but I don't think I've ever been more disappointed in an alcohol. It kind of tastes like raisins root. and it's cardboard. Not, I mean, it's not that good. It's very, very papery. Or like woody, bland, but like rotten wood <laughs> is what I said at the very beginning. Why I don't like it because, in fact, in with Louis, they use barrels over and over and over, and they're recoupering barrels to try to keep them alive. And you got like at some point those barrels like it's, it's rotten wood. So is that like a mold thing? Like it's I mean it's just it's just it's just decay. Huh. How good could an eighteen seventy nine barrel? Right, taste right. and like and that's the thing is you can taste that like I can taste that like kind of like yeah. divine rot right <laughs> divine rot yeah I mean that's that's kind of the term it's like the same thing and you taste it in old wine and yeah. it's like that 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 you know that that that's exactly what it is it's the things that continue to decay and and deteriorate right. and do whatever it is that they're doing new, new french oak versus old french oak. exactly new american yeah. oak versus used bourbon barrels right. exactly well, the question remains why is it eleven hundred dollars a bottle well you're paying for age i mean louis old right and so a lot of it is how, the, how old is it I, I, we did a Louis oh, episode. You're, you're I don't know throwing us way off. Yeah, here. I don't know yeah, off I'm the top sorry. of my head. I, I think it's I, I forget, um, but it's old, and you're paying for age. Like thirty years, or like? Oh no, more than that. I, I, I honestly, I'll have to edit it in because I just okay. don't remember. Um, here you go. All Louis the Thirteenth, the Remy Martin is a blend of. Eau de vie between 40 and 100 years old, aged in oak barrels that are several hundred years old. So there you go. Rotten barrels. But that's what you're paying for. You're paying for age and right. you're paying for the name. Right. Of course. That's a big part of it. And for the crystal bottle. And, and the Baccarat bottle, mm. for sure. Like, the bottle alone is like $500. Well, that's the thing. Right. Right. It's a little ridiculous. But here, I want to get back because I was, I was kind of aiming at a point, right? Aiming at a point. We, we were already drinking the Louis a little bit. I'm not a huge fan. I don't love the flavor of the kind of rotten wood is what I would call it. Yeah. I like oaky flavor. I don't like the flavor of rotten oak. With you. But what a lot – so it leads me to a, a conversation about the flavor of, of wood, and which is, we've as we talked before, uh, a huge part of any brown alcohol is the flavor of the oak. Yeah. Up to 80%, arguably, uh, of the flavor comes from the oak and 100% of the color. So we've covered that, right? All brownness in brown alcohol, unless it's something that's been colored and, and dyed, which is something you don't want to be drinking. But all good bourbons, whiskeys, scotches, 100% of their color comes from the oak. So you're, that's a wood flavor. You like there's, – there's a lot of interesting flavors that come from the wood. Up to 80% of the flavor in whiskeys comes from wood vanilla, cinnamon, all these things that we've covered, all these flavor notes, tobacco, yeah. uh, hay, you know, all those notes that's all come from the wood. That's 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 amazing, right? That's 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 totally. almost magic. Yeah. It can go over it can, in my kind of like taste, it can get overdone. Once that wood starts to over deteriorate and the, the barrels get a little old, you know, too old and stuff and you start to really taste them like what I'm calling rotten wood taste, I don't like that. Yeah. That's why I'm a bourbon guy. Bourbon is made in brand new oak barrels every single time. 
Oh, so really? Is, all, that, is yeah. that that's the thing? You can only make bourbon in a barrel once, and then after that, you can't call it bourbon. No shit. Yeah, it has to be a brand new oak barrel. Huh. So. And is that that's American oak? Like it has to be American yeah, so oak. White American oak. Wow. All right. Um. So that the, and all that flavor, and we like that, right? We like a lot that as whiskey drinkers, as bourbon drinkers, yeah. we like the flavor of oak. We like that wood flavor. There is a uh, you know, an argument to be made that you know, there's a lot of people that drink whiskey that like to read books. You know, that, that you can pair sitting in, in your library, you know, sipping a nice, you know, whiskey and reading a nice book by the fire that, that, that you know, you, you can picture a whiskey drinker, a whiskey connoisseur being the same kind of guy that likes to sit by the fire and read a book, right? 100%. And a lot of what a guy that reads books likes, <coughs> uh, for, at least for me, is um, you know firstly the tactile experience of, of turning the page and feeling the book in your hand, but the, also the the smell, and we know that smell and taste are tied very very closely together, mm-hmm. and uh, and so as a guy that likes to read myself, I know that the smell of the paper and the smell of the binding and all that that's a big part of what I like about reading. That's why I would prefer to read an actual bound book versus you know like a Kindle. No question about it. Like, because I, want, I like the smell, I like, like the feel. I would guess a, 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 a fart would ruin that entire. Well, right. It's memory. gonna it's gonna ru- ruin the overall olfactory experience if, if for sure. If you've really settled in, you have all of those great experiences. Yeah, and then someone just cuts a fart right in your library. That's it's a just, bummer. It just changes the whole yeah, dynamic. The, your like, butler walks in to serve your cavassier and cuts a fucking mean one. That's a bummer. Unless, that, right, unless that's your own fart. I mean, then, then it's like you know, everyone thing loves ever. their own flavor. Yeah. But you know, if you if you throw your own heat down. Yeah. During that, I don't think you appreciate it as well, much. Well, you know what you're doing. If you're I don't know why we're, we're... Stop it. I was trying to... Now we're talking about farting. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> if, you're reading, I, if you're reading dick... We're drifting far afield from what I was... The, the point I was aiming at. Jeremy, I'm with you. There's nothing better than cracking into a book that has actual pages and ink on those pages. Like, you crack it open... There's, you're right. There's that certain smell. There's that certain feeling that you get when you lick your fingers and turn a turn page. Turn the page, exactly. You know? And there's and a that, difference. And you could dog ear a page. Right. That's you know? nice. Yeah. And then it leaves that lingering uh. impression in the book that you were there. You read it. You made it to that point. You and, then, know? and then when you put the book back on the shelf and there's all those little lines on the back of it where it's like been opened yeah, up. Right. You in know? the spine. Yeah, exactly. in the spine. Exactly. And there's a yeah. different experience between an old book, like an aged tome, where you're smelling the the old glue and the the leather in the yeah. in the binding and the the uh, the old ink and the the aged paper that almost has that kind of like it was thick yeah that you know musky smell mm-hmm. versus a brand new book that has that new adhesive smell and new paper and new ink which is also a very pleasurable smell so there's like a difference right. between an old book and a new book both of them being awesome great tactile and olfactory experiences right, right. Well, which is not a kindle well chris, right, definitely not a kindle well chris what uh edition of dr seuss were you reading when you got that uh that smell green eggs and ham I saw you reading it. I'm not uh, talking scratch and sniff. What's what's the uh, Lorax? I was reading the Lorax. Charles. Lorax. Yeah. Okay. 
Tolstoy. So to bring it all full circle, what I'm driving at here is that there's something similar in the enjoyment of the smell of reading a book and enjoying the taste of woodiness in uh, in whiskey. And what that is is scientists have, have honed it down to their specific chemicals in wood that have that smell and that, that odor and impart that experience to you that exist both in whiskey and in books, in paper. Here's a little article written by John McCormick, and I'm pretty sure this was out of uh, a Distillers Magazine or... Some other magazine. <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was written by John Playboy. McCormick. Yeah, it might have been in Penthouse. Um, but here we go. The, the, the moral of the story is... Harper's Bazaar. Harper's Bazaar. <laughs> Harper's Bazaar. Red Book. Yeah. Uh, paper in old books is made from wood pulp, which gradually decays over decades, releasing many of the same aromatic compounds found in, found in oak casks. Scientists have been able to develop a wheel for describing and categorizing these old book smells similar to whiskey flavor wheels, deducing that the more prominent chemicals such as vanillin, benzylhydride, ethylbenzene, all these, you know, give all this the, the biscuit aromas and all of those like specific aromas that we're talking about in paper and um and so anyway there's a direct correlation between the enjoyment of the smell of books and the enjoyment of the flavor of whiskeys and uh, as as a guy that enjoys both I thought that was very interesting do you think there's something primal about uh wood and flavor and like Mailness. the first like the way that we used to cook food was over wood. Well, right? absolutely. I and will like the, I will argue that the human being, you know, Homo sapien, has continued to uh, evolve. And part of our evolution involves eating cooked foods. Yeah. And that our entire digestive tract, uh, the way that our teeth have started to form, a big part of who we are as a, as a as a modern Homo sapien is that we have you know come to a point where we don't eat, have to eat raw food. Right, we yeah. are we have developed yeah, yeah. Uh, the ability to eat or not the ability, but um, not only the ability, but our bodies prefer it cooked. Correct. Truly, yeah. Um, and uh, so, and that's definitely an evolutionary thing. But don't you think part of that like tags along like cooking food over an open fire, like cooking? Well, right. Meat there's there's definitely that right. The fire. very like, first food. I mean, that's like the the kind of like that's Jungian almost. That's right. Group consciousness. Yeah. It's like collective consciousness that's been handed down Correct. from the first person that ever cooked the first piece of meat over fire, and part of the craving of cooked food would be tied directly to the flavor of fire, the very first fire that it was cooked right. over. So don't you think that's why like there's a bunch of like I've turned 44 today. Thanks everybody. Happy birthday to me. Uh, but don't you think that's why there's a bunch of like forty year old dudes that like hover around a barbecue? For sure, fire, meat. Yeah, it doesn't get any more carnal than that. Yeah, you, you combine watching fire and watching meat cook, you're never gonna get less than six the, to ten the people sound, around and a crackling. You know, you, the you whole thing involve a little alcohol and yeah. like a couple girls. You know, yeah. next thing you know, you're hitting them over the head, and dragging them into your cave. <laughs> By the hair. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we've evolved. Yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> I wonder what the uh, the first meal was. 
I mean, it was it wasn't like it wasn't a it wasn't a breast milk. It wasn't a bone and ribeye with like it wasn't a bone and ribeye with lobster. Drops Mike. (laughs) Did they have you know any kind of utensils or side dishes? Then a nipple. Yeah, I don't. Did the nipple come with cream spinach? Bonchon. Bonchon. Here we got something, guys. Look at this. So your wife... Why, what do we have there? For your birthday, bought the podcast a bottle of booze. Oh, that's... I mean, she's the best. Shout like, out she, Andrea Vin. Uh, well, it's Andrea. Well, yes. good. Shout yeah, out yeah. Andrea Vin. Look, hard A. She's got the cash yeah. to prove there it. There it is. Well, it's Andrea. Yes. Because I call her Andrea every time. No wonder she hates the fuck out of me. No, she doesn't. That out. By the way, she does not. Hardcore A. Shout out Andrea Vin. Thank you very much. What we got here in front of us is we got something very nice, guys. What do we got? We got a Calumet Farm 14-year-old Kentucky bourbon. Hmm. Go on. 14-year-old. Is that good? Starting to be in the pretty the col- nice little zone. The color alone looks delicious. And we just learned earlier that the color comes solely from the barrel. Right, so... Obviously, you know, the longer in the barrel, the darker the color. Right. Now, Calumet Farm strikes me as a uh, horse breeding. So batch size, this was a 19-barrel batch. It says it right on the label, which is pretty cool to know. So is that, what what size is that? Is that small batch? It's a pretty small batch, batch. yeah, especially for, you know, kind of a named distillery in Kentucky. I would say that's definitely a very small batch. Single back black. What does that mean? Single back black. Maybe maybe is a horse name. ACDC. Yeah. Back in black. I believe I put ten to win on single back black back in <laughs> nineteen ninety eight. And how did that come in, Josh? Ninety six point two. Well, I'm I'm here, aren't I? Right. Right. Okay. Here we go. Cork. Oh. God, that's loud. Good. Uh, wow. what do you know about Calumet Farms, Josh? I mean, not the distillery. I mean, it sounds like Calumet's a racetrack, right? Calumet Farms is one of the most historical and well-known breeding uh, farms in the U.S. of all time and also the world. It's for st- humans or? No, not humans. It wasn't a breeding ground for oh, humans. Oh, I thought you meant It was like, a breeding ground for that's horses. that's Santa Barbara. Wow. <laughs> that, you know, that's, that's Isla Vista. Yeah, because that's Isla Vista. 1975 to 1995. Yeah. No, but they uh, they bought like three acres in 1924 to to breed like what they called standard, uh, standard horses, which are the ones that uh, walk the apple cart, right? And then the guy bought it and he said, listen, we got money in thoroughbred racing. This is now in the twenties when racing was huge. Right. And they had like literally no money. And in like 10 years, they had their first stakes winner, Preakness winner. And then in 1941, they got their first triple crown winner, which was called whirl away. So from there, they bought this horse called bull Lee that would ended up uh, having 56 uh, stakes winning uh, fillies and mares, wow. and and uh, and uh, from their their children, yeah, from their children. Jesus Christ, siring, siring, yeah, fifty six, so, fifty six. Uh, when I said fillies and mares, that's that's only female horses, not the the males too. Bully, and even back in the twenties, they had the uh, it was it wasn't a bully, it was B U L 
L E A. Okay. Bull Lee. Nice. Well, so so did were there some of of their children that were pulling apple carts? You know, it's like, oh yeah, my brother just won the the preakness. <laughs> really no, no, the 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 son of the, uh, the the guy that bought Calumet Farms, the son was like, you know, the, the money's not in apple cart horses; yeah. it's in thoroughbred racing. Mm. So in the '40s and '50s, they were the number one uh, breeding farm in in the world. They they had um, two triple crown winners. Which ones? Whirl away and Citation. Oh wow! Forty one and forty eight. Nice. Right, they had. I mean, um, Citation is like a Citation is one of the top ten horses in the of all time. Of all time. Yeah, he was like crazy. sixteen of eighteen. They were the first farm that ever grossed a million dollars in winnings from breeding. Right, and I looked at that. That was nineteen forty-seven. It's one thing I remember from doing the research. That's worth um, twelve point four million dollars today. Yeah. In a year. That was the year they made a million dollars. They made that's twelve million dollars in a year. Yeah. Today. From, re- right, from breeding. And this it was feels like it'd be a lot more. This than that. this is um private think, owned land. There's no rent. Was it from breeding or did they run those horses? So that's a great question. They they bred them. They had the owner. With other horses or So they would they would buy a horse, put it up for stud. But I mean who were they breeding it with? Each other? Oh hey. So the, the wife your wife? No, no, no. It wasn't a whorehouse. It's pronounced horse house. <laughs> they had they had they bought the horses and they would rent the horse stud, right? And the horse would go to stud for back in night in the nineteen forties, like fifteen hundred dollars. To to go out and fuck another to horse. Bone, right. right. Is and that then, what that means? Like, I my, is that yeah, the, the, the horses put up like, this. The horses put to stud. Okay. Can I oh. have some of this now? We can talk about Calumet while you drink a mutt. Okay. Drink a mutt. Ooh, that wow. was proper. That was, that's a good pour. The glug. Proper glug. Yeah, this looks delicious. There you go, boys. Belly up to the bar, kids. All right, where do you exactly. want to start from? Because I'm I'm remembering it. Go. What do you What do you need? More. Tell me more about Calumet as we sip this fine. Okay, let's. I'd love to talk. I'm getting a very oaky nose. Extremely oaky nose. Almost a brandy nose. Has a sweet nose. Sounds like you blew a seal. Jeez. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> more of a <laughs> more, more of a narwhal kind of a guy. You got wow. fun at both ends. Jesus. So anyway, I'm I'm interested in hearing about the bourbon because the farm. Oh, you mean what 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 about it? What no, after I tell well, you hmm. can go first too. No. So from the 1940s to the 1970s, it was the number one breeding uh, farm in the country and one of the best in the world. We're only to the 70s, all the way to the 70s, and then and then it it, it um, after Alidar, it fell up. It started. Falling Is that a apart. horse's name? Because all the the owner yeah. and the owner's daughter and the owner's son and the trainer and everyone died. Oh shit! And they couldn't they couldn't put these Hall of Fame people back in the into the farm. The plane crash. They all died in a plane crash from 92 to 17. Yeah, with Buddy Holly and fucking right. uh, the, the big, big, bop, big bopper. Big bopper. <laughs> yeah. 
Rich, Richie Valens? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a huge farm. All right, let me get what I got off the back of the bottle. Here. You know what? That was a great story, Joss. I really like well, that. William I, I Monroe. No, you did. You got more? Well, they still hold the record for most Kentucky Derby winners, most Preakness winners, most Phillies of the Year, um, tied for the most Hall of Fame trainers. How many Triple Crowns do I have? Two. World Away and Citation for both crazy. Triple Crown winners. Which they, you don't I, you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of farms that have two triple crown winners. Well, how many triple crown winners are there in general? Like ten? Nine seven eighteen or nineteen? That's crazy. It, since like the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Here's what I got off the bottle. All right. Settle in. I'm gonna read the bottle. It's got a story. Oh look at that light. William Monroe Wright. Mm. Is that the name? Yes. That's Sounds the like guy, a right? Fucking baller. William Monroe Wright established Calumet Farm in 1924 on a small farm in Lexington, Kentucky. Did you say that? Fact check. Sweet. We checked it. Wright's death in 1933, his son Warren began to move the farm's business towards thoroughbred racing. Fact check. Fact check. With a big bopper. I mean, he nailed it. After developing the farm's stock and pedigree for a short time, the Wrights hired a famed horse trainer, Ben A. Jones. Fact, Fact check. check. Okay. Nice. Through dedication, passion, and hard work, the farm began an unparalleled ascent, eventually topping the horse racing world. I guess that's a fact check, too. The, uh, the rise to glory would cement Calumet Farm as one of the most dominant names in horse racing history. Over the decades... Listen to the decades. Yeah, over the decades that came, the farm produced two Triple Crown winners, fact, fact check, check, eight Kentucky Derby winners. Did you say that? Yeah, he was close. I, I think you said I, two. I said eight yeah. and eight Preakness winners. That's a fact check. I got that one right. Calumet Farm is proud to have 11 horses in the National Museum of Racing Hall of Fame. I feel like he read the back of the label. Yeah, did you read this earlier? Yeah. It is with the same passion and dedication that we craft this bourbon. Distilled and aged in northern Kentucky, the straight bourbon whiskey comes from a private reserve of premium. So it's a sourced sourced whiskey. It's a sourced whiskey that they slap the name Calumet Farms on the front of. Fine. Right? They didn't distill it. Calumet Farms didn't distill this. They went, they sourced it somewhere, they found a bourbon barrel, they found, what does it say? 19 barrels. So they went, they tasted 19 barrels, they're like, we want to buy these 19 barrels, they brought it back, they blended it, they bottled it, slapped the Calumet, that's what this is. So, let's taste it. It's pretty fucking good. Can I have some more? Super oaky, so I would, I... Again, I'm always a little suspect of found bourbons like this, especially when they have a little age on them. Just because I I, I tend to think that they were passed over barrels in like maybe in a, 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 a kind of a, a younger blend. Okay, so I'm gonna take my second sip because the first one was pretty spicy. I will tell you, I I don't mind the spice. Me neither. I kind of like it. I like it's um. Mm. I feel like it's it, I'm extremely like, alcoholic. You know, I'm kind of glad it, it might be outsourced. If you're distilling bourbon in a place of horse lovemaking, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, it seems like a very interesting dichotomy of events going you're on. You're saying there's horse cum in the ground? No, I'm not going that far, but 
at the same time... I mean, who doesn't you, like you, to make love after a little whiskey? Well, it's, you know, Akak isn't exactly Ryan Hatch after a lovemaking wow. session. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel Where there's was this... Akak uh, was another Hall of Fame horse, by the way. Oh, that, that oh, went, right. It doesn't have to be this farm. I just came up with it on a whim. Because it was another 1940s. It's also a line from Mars Attacks. <laughs> Always saying that. So I, I, that's what I thought originally when when you showed me this bottle. Is like, do you, do you distill bourbon at a horse? Maybe no, it ground? doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily taste of horse. <laughs> of course, of course. I would expect maybe to taste it slightly of horse. Hayish. Horse, yeah. horse foot. Is that alfalfa? No, I guess it's not supposed to taste mm-hmm. like horse. I, mean, it, I, I get some hay. I'm getting some tack room leather. You know, I, I, some, I know, can taste I, the saddle in that a little bit. They didn't mention anything that mentioned the the farm. Contributing the anything. Other no. than the name. They contributed to the name. Barley. What if the man just has two yeah. passions? You know, he looks horse racing. What's that move? Bourbon. By the way, <laughs> can we, for once, as much as we make fun of me, I lost my notes, and I got seven of eight fact checks right. No, you you nailed it. You nailed the Calumet Farms. And the only thing I got lower. wrong was Kentucky Derby winners. I said five, and they're eight, and that's it. It was great. You nailed it. I think you should have more confidence and not worry about. Maybe the it was just too. I was too, I had too much anxiety being on the. Well, on I the, mean, you wrote it out, so you should know. I mean. Oh, so here we go. <laughs> I mean, what do you want? A gold star for remembering Thank what you. you wrote out? Chris Van gives a gold star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. Here's here a quick first. fact. Oh, here's a quick fact. A million acres in One Kentucky. Million. And I don't know how big Kentucky is. But a million acres sounds like a whole hell of a lot. Over a million acres of Kentucky land are dedicated to horse breeding. So horse breeding is a big part of Kentucky's whole thing. It does sound like a lot. 900,000 is Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Of the horses? Is that second? Of Kentucky. There are (laughs) 25.8 million acres in Kentucky. Okay. So it's 125th. Yeah, 25th of it. It's for horses. I want to oh, see. That's crazy. I, I that's wanna, a crazy stat, you actually. You know what, though, Ryan? I want to see how many 125ths of the 37 states in our country yeah. are uh, are horse. A horse driven. I mean, what do you think of that? How many, how many acres of that 25 million do you think are used for distilling or a rickhouse or. I don't know. Tell me. I don't know. The other like sixty-seven percent. A lot, a lot. So there's a lot of ties between bourbon and horse racing. Obviously, they both come from Kentucky, so you're going to get a lot of things to tie them together, right? Of course. This isn't the first time that that's been done. Blanton's does it. Blanton's has very famously got the really nice toppers on it that have the horse race on it. Those toppers, I will tell you, just in and of themselves are worth like 25 bucks sometimes. So um, here's another little tidbit. The Kentucky Derby winner in 1914 was Old Rosebud, owned by Hamilton C. Applegate, who also owned Old Rosebud Bourbon. So even horse owners owning distilleries isn't, isn't a new thing, right? 
No, you know what it was? You know what you know what the the old man did? You know what the old man did to make his fortune? He made baking soda. Who? That's the, the 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 guy that bought Calumet Farms originally was a baking soda man. Hmm. He invented it or sold it? I believe I read he sold it. It was hmm. his enterprise. Maybe maybe it was his baby. What is this stuff called? Calumet Farms. I know, but what's the name off on the side? On the side, it's there's a name. There's like a name. Like I said, it's probably a horse name. Single back, single back black. Single back black. Okay, so that's definitely a horse name because that's it. I'm, I'm reading in this article right now. Calumet Farm, 15 year old, single back black. What? Right? Is wow. is is a bourbon? Uh, Whirl away is another one of their bourbons named for the historic farm's first Kentucky Derby winner. Yeah. Did you yeah, say yeah. that? Which we've mentioned. Yeah. Whirl away. So. Fact check, fact check, fact check. Well done. That's cool, man. It's awesome. It's a great, it's a really cool history of like them buying other people's bourbon and bringing it on their farm. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking it and riding horses around drunkenly. Slapping their label on it. <laughs> no, but I mean, but I mean, we've talked about this many times how much I love horse okay. racing. And for you to bring a bourbon in called Calumet Farms. I mean, this well, I is, thought it was appropriate. This, this this farm is an institution of American horse racing. Sounds it, like it's unbelievable. It's kind of the farm. It is. It you know other farms have uh, overtaken it over the years, but they they had about a forty year run where they were the farm. It's crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, this was all really fun, super informative. I think the bourbon's fantastic. You I just said bourbon. you didn't like it. I didn't say that. You said the first. It was bites. spicy, but we always say it's the the first is always spicy. Yeah, is it growing on you? Oh yeah, and I know we covered this, but what's the percentage on this one? Ninety. Let me. I see. don't think we actually did cover oh. it. We, we got did. close to covering it. We did. Right. We've, we've 90, asked ninety five proof. Right? Ryan, we asked it. Okay. We didn't get the answer. We did. It's ninety six, I think. Ninety six point two. Nice. Okay. See, that's pretty alcoholic, right? Very alcoholic. Right. But you know it's under the hundred. No, I mean, I like stuff over the hundred. What What's the biggest one we've done on the show? Have we done a one ten? I mean, I feel like we've done Booker's. That stuff's like one hundred and eighteen, one hundred twenty, one hundred twenty two. That's gas. It's gas, but it can be up to one hundred and twenty five and still be called bourbon. Well, so that's it, the what? And then what's the lower range? That's the eighty. 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 Eighty to one twenty five. Mm-hmm. Like Jim Beam is like eighty five. Jack Daniels is 86. 86. Hey, Jared, thanks for having me on again. Birthdays are a trip at this age. But yet, I don't feel like any older than I turned like 24. Well, I mean, that's, so that's why weird. they're a trip, right? It's exactly. I don't know. Did you, anyway, did, you, got, you got a guy's night on your birthday. Yeah, that's all that counts. Yeah. You the know, fact right? that you still feel 14 inside is totally normal. Thanks. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I spent my birthday here. My, yeah. my birthday. You chose. My, my, it was a bone of contention with your family. My <laughs> birthday was here. It wasn't a bone. So, Celebrating. It, was a, it was a wishbone. It was contention. It was not only <laughs> yeah. like a bone of contention, yeah. but the there, contention was some, was, there was some contention for sure. Right. You were not able to make a uh, clean re-entry into the atmosphere yeah. of your 
right. world. Did you stay here for three days? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, kind of like when you were a kid, you could have your birthday at Skateway. I think we should have like a an adult male uh, birthday venue. I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm. That's what I'm trying to build here, basically. <laughs> this is you. This is your brand. It's kind of what I'm going for. Here. I think you've nailed my demographic, Ryan. All day. All right. Well, thank you guys. I love you very much. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having us, man. I love you all. And uh, thank you, ladies no. and gentlemen, for being here. Can I just say something? You were trying to do the outro, and Chris thought you were talking to him for the thank you. Well, and then you, <laughs> and then you, you, you secondarily. Thank, thank you, up. bro. Uh, thank you. No, I was. It was like, hey, thank you guys, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. And we'll see you right here next week on the Jeremy Webisodes podcast.